Good morning. Just gone six o'clock on Radio Pulpit and Cape Pulpit. Good morning. Hope you have a wonderful, blessed Tuesday. And uh, may the Lord just bless you and keep you today. Bonganim Caesar, the man working with me in Pretoria this morning. And it's Stephen Boot as our producer in Pretoria. My name, Johan Els. Down in a windy Pringle Bay where the southeaster is blowing us into the ocean. Hey, good morning. I want to share a very familiar piece of scripture with you this morning. You know it so well. I think since kindergarten times, it's the parable of the prodigal son. Jesus' parable recorded in Luke chapter 15. But I want to delve into the deep meaning of the robe, the ring, the sandals, and the fattened calf. Luke chapter 15 verse 22, 23 says, But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals to his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. Because he was lost and now he's found. Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it and let's have a feast and celebrate. Luke chapter 15 verse 22 to 23. You know, these two short verses... They are what true grace and forgiveness looks like. Grace and forgiveness. And this is what Jesus wanted to teach them when he gave the parable of the prodigal son. This father demonstrates the essence of grace to the prodigal son upon his return. There's no judgment of the son by the Father for the sins he did. There's no preaching to him what true repentance should look like. Come on, I want to tell you this. There's no reminding him of his past mistakes to embarrass him. This is a portrait of redemption, an act of letting go of your own pride as the Father in order to restore someone else's honor and an undeniable testament to unconditional love. Oh, sometimes we have to hear this again. Luke chapter 14, the story of the prodigal son, the loving father, is a portrait of redemption. It's an act, hear this, of letting go of your own pride in order to restore someone else's honor. This is an undeniable testament to unconditional love. The father didn't love and forgave the son because he came back or said the right things. The father in Luke chapter 15 forgave and loved 
the son because he was his child. Oh. Just look at the father. He doesn't ask his servants to bring a cane and a Bible so he can punish him and put a Bible in his hands. No. In fact, by delving into the historical context of Luke chapter 15, we gain this deeper understanding of each item. The father, instead of asking to bring a cane and a Bible, so to speak, he said, bring a robe, bring a ring, bring sandals, slaughter the fatted calf, let's have a feast. Let's take them quickly one by one. The father says, bring the best robe. That's what it's uh, meaning. It's in the Greek Testament. Bring the best robe. Now the best robe in these days, it belongs not to one of the servants, but to the father himself. The father always had the best robe in the Jewish context and is saved for special events and celebrations. Now in our times, say for instance, um, your evening suits with your black tie, if you have something like that, that's your best clothes as a gentleman. As a lady, perhaps your evening dress with your long sleeve uh, uh you know, the ladies, they wore these beautiful long handschooner, uh, whatever it is. Bring the best. It's only kept for special events and celebrations. And this is what is the meaning, the depth of this. It wasn't just any robe. The word is used, stolen. And this in the Greek, stolen. And this means a long robe, the best robe, belongs not to the servants, but to the father. And the father only wears this best robe, the stolen, for special events and celebrations. A long robe. That kind of robe was worn by the upper classes in the East in these times. It was a symbol of honor and status. Only the dad had one of these stolens. By requesting this robe for his son, who had just returned after squandering the dad's wealth, the father wasn't just covering his physical nakedness. No, he was reinstating his squandering son in honor. He was reinstating this prodigal son's place in the family and erasing the shame that came with his prior actions. This gesture of the stolen of the best robe, especially in front of the household servants, was a public proclamation that the son's past is forgiven and forgotten. You hear this? It's not only forgiven, it is forgotten. And his original status in the family as a son remains unchanged. The father didn't only show compassion by forgiving his past mistakes, he gave grace by reminding his son 
and around else, everyone else there, that he is still loved by his dad as a child. The robe, the best robe, the stolen in Greek. The father achieves multiple symbolic purposes by putting the best robe on his returning son. He restores his son's position in the family, signifying that the son is not mere a servant, but holds all the rights and privileges of being a family member. The robe also serves as a clear sign of, I'm accepting you back, my boy, acting as a physical manifestation of the dad's unconditional love and forgiveness. For the son. And this gesture additionally reaffirms the son's identity as a beloved family member, tapping into the biblical symbolism where clothing often relates to one's identity. The best robe sets the tone for the following celebration feast, emphasizing what? The immense joy surrounding the son's return. The robe also stands in sharp contrast to what the son was likely wearing, probably filthy rags. He just came from the pigs. That's, I want to call it this transformative power of the father's acceptance and the love. It reminds me of what Isaiah said. And all of us have become like one who is unclean. And all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf and like the wind. Our sins are swept away. Huh? Isaiah 64 verse 6. The father decided to cloak the sins of his son with the father's glory. He puts on the best robe. The sins of the son were covered up by the father's, let's call it luxurious robe, the best robe, the stolen. But that's not the first time our heavenly father has done such a thing. You remember the Garden of Eden? You remember Adam and Eve and Eve's sins with the ancient robe, the tunics of skin he made for them? Anyway. This is God. When you have fallen in sin and have squandered everything and have sat with the pigs and come back to God, God clothes you with Jesus Christ, the Lord, restoring you as a child of God. Secondly, there's a ring. It wasn't just a piece of jewelry. The ring likely was one of the father's signet rings. In ancient times, at the time, a signet ring would often be used to seal official documents, ne? representing the king's authority and confirming tribal identity. And by looking at the ring, you can tell what family legacy the person wearing it belongs to. The ring uh, would have much more importance than just financial value. It symbolized this ring, the father's authority, the father's trust, effectively restoring the son's position in the family, giving that a ring 
is a circle without a beginning or an end. Remember that. A ring is a circle without a beginning or an end. And it can also be seen as a symbol of eternity, continuity and completeness with parallels. The themes of endless love. When you come back from the pigsty, when you stand up, when you are washed by the blood of Christ Jesus, you receive eternity, continuity, completeness, the endless love and grace through Jesus Christ's grace. A new authority, a new identity. You have a family heritage, the family of God. And that ring was used to seal documents, essentially serving as a signature. And by giving the ring to the son, the father was bestowing trust and authority and reinstating his son fully into the family's operations and decisions. Hey, if you receive Jesus Christ coming back from the pigsty life, being washed by the blood of Christ of all your sin, you are reinstated with trust and authority into God's family's operation into the body of Christ by Jesus' grace. Thirdly, there was the sandals. The sandals. The son had said he was no longer worthy to be called a son and hoped to find work as a hired servant. And this might suggest that either the son took off his sandals or he had no sandals because they were already worn out and he couldn't afford to replace or fix the sandals. Now, in the culture context of the time of Luke chapter 15, slaves typically were barefoot. They didn't wear slaves in the time, in the cultural context of Luke chapter 15, slaves typically never wore sandals. They were barefoot. Whereas the free members of the household wore sandals. The children of the father. So by giving this son sandals to wear, the father is making a very clear statement saying the son is not to be treated as a slave, but as a or a servant, but as a free person and a full member of the family. A very simple act of providing footwear is reinstating the son's lost dignity and reaffirms his status within the structure of the family. When you and I come to Jesus, we are reinstated. And in Luke chapter 15, the sandals also serve a very functional role. They protect the feet, enabling the feet to travel again and to have interaction with the world. Remember, they didn't have four-by-fours or jets or helicopters or aeroplanes or taxis or whatever. They had to walk where they wanted to go. So symbolically, this could represent the son's renewed ability to walk a righteous path guided by the wisdom gained from his previous misadventures and the forgiving love of his father. 
What a love. What a grace. No judgmental attitude, but put on the sandals. Let's walk into the future. The sandals, they're not just an afterthought. They are the integral part to the theme of restoration and reconciliation in this parable. They encapsulate the father's desire to fully reintegrate his son into both the family, society, emphasizing, my son, you've got dignity, you've got your freedom back, and I care for you. Hmm? The father didn't need to punish him in order to forgive him. Nor did he uh, need to punish someone else to release his wrath before granting forgiveness. True forgiveness does never require any conditions of exchange. Instead, it absorbs and takes on the burden. I forgive you, I forget. We so often hear, I can forgive but I'll never forget. That's not a biblical theme. The son must have been overwhelmed. You can just imagine. After preparing himself for a possible rejection, coming back home. Or conditional acceptance. I will forgive you, but I won't forget. I will do this, but not that. The robe, the ring, the sandals, and the fattened calf being slaughtered for the feast are the gestures which come without even hearing a full confession Huh? What about you and me? The dad says, bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. Now this single verse in Luke 15, 23 is in this parable with so much significance. The narrative is so big, historically and cultural. And I remember this, we, we, we learned this in, 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 in Hebrew at university. It is such pivotal situation. Fattened calves in the time were especially fattened for special occasions and were reserved for, let's say, significant festivities such as weddings and holidays and whatever. The choice of the calf as opposed to a lamb or a goat also underscores the magnitude of this celebration. It wasn't only a lamb or a goat, it was a fattened calf. And it was meant to feed a very large number of people, indicating that this was not just a family dinner with close friends, but a grand festivity possible involving the entire community. Come on, let's have a feast. The slaughtering of the fattened calf reveals a lot about the dad's character and emotions. In his state of despair, hopelessness, that his son will never perhaps return. The son probably hoped for a bowl of yesterday's leftover rice, maybe not even heated up in the microwave, and a lowly position in his dad's household instead. Instead of this simple meal the son thought he was going to get, he guessed this elaborate celebration. Huh? 
You know, it takes a very long time, several months, to fatten a calf. So that means the father prepared in advance, explaining why he was outside, looking down the farm dirt road, waiting and looking every day. When is he coming back? Jesus told this parable so that you and I can understand something of God's nature as our Heavenly Father, symbolizing God, His actions, God's character. Because the Father in the parable, His joy mirrors God's joy in heaven over one child of God willing to put their faith in Him. And this grandeur of this feast, the fattened calf feast represented by the fattened calf, mirrors the joy in heaven of all who are celebrating with the Father. It is as if they are all celebrating the, let's call it the graduation of the Son, the graduation from the school of sacrifice and grace and humility. Now he finally learned what love is, what grace is. This feast also echoes the Last Supper where Jesus broke bread with his disciples. The great banquet we will have as Revelations talking about. I saw an angel standing by the sun inviting you to the banquet. The meal, symbolic of God's fellowship with you and me, forgiven, forgotten of our sin, welcomed back into the intimate fellowship and communion with God. What about you and me this morning? What about you? Lord God, here I am this morning. Cover me in your grace so that I may go into the rest of my life singing. Come on, see what God is doing in my life.